Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Roll for Enterprise. As ever, I'm joined by my co-conspirators, Zach and Mike. And I'd like to open it up straight away to Zach, who had an excellent line on the group chat that I think is worth airing more widely. Take us away, Zach. Hey, thanks, Dominic. Yeah, so here's what I think after three weeks of reInvent. I'm thinking that this reminds me of Brookstone in the mall or in the catalogs. They have a lot of cool gadgets that are never really needed, but you would have to, but you know, it'd be cool to have these. So AWS, all these cool announcements that you think you need, not so sure, but they are the Brookstone of cloud. That is what I've come to. AWS has a lot of cool things. You probably don't need them, but boy, it'd be cool to have them. <laughs> I, I love that. We had to share that with the audience. I mean, this, it's a little bit provocative, maybe, and a more forgiving take, let's say, would be that Amazon releases tons and tons of stuff, a disorienting amount, someone said. But the reason that it's not all for you is that all of it is for someone. It's just that that someone isn't you, and it's not the same someone for all of their services. But yes, it does get confusing because there are 15 and 20 different ways of doing the same thing and you get to them from different ways and each of them competes with a different third-party vendor who's also on the Amazon platform anyway. And it can be just very, very... You're, you're, you're saying third-party platforms. Some of them, it feels like, compete with themselves. I mean, that's the... Oh, that too. Uh, yeah, worst part, yeah. I've been following all of the reInvent stuff and yes, it's still going. As we record, it's Thursday night. I still have sessions tomorrow morning. So it's a full three weeks. It goes into Friday, uh, trying to keep up with everything. It would have been much, much less exhausting just to go to Vegas and get it done. And instead, I've been on Zoom for three weeks solid, it feels like. Uh, not Zoom, the live stream thing. Plus the Zooms afterwards to debrief and catch up and talk to analysts. It was much better doing that in bars as well, uh, just saying. Do they ever talk about an evolution of one of their products or is it always new products? It seems like it's always a new product to me. Or are they talking lately about uh, any evolutions during reInvent? Have you heard anything no, about products they released before that now are, are, uh, are evolving or is it just all new products? Yeah, no, there's evolution stuff. Um, I mean, obviously for the day job, I've been focusing on the database announcements. Uh, but there they had a rev of the serverless support in Aurora, for instance, so the V2 serverless uh, for Aurora looks uh, like it solves many of the problems people had with V1. Uh, it's still in preview. Uh, so we'll see what it's like when it actually hits the GA and people can uh, play with it in anger. But that's an example of, you know, Aurora itself first gets serverless and then the serverless support gets revved. Uh, it's not just stuff that gets announced and then dropped. Uh, for all their faults, Amazon really do deliver what their users ask for. And if people pick up a service and use it and have enhancement requests, they will deliver on those too. That's what they do for good and ill. But you, but you know, they're, they're just seeing what sticks, right? I mean, they're only yeah. reiterating or, or revving up uh, products that, that stick, right? And, and that's the real problem. I, I think the users and, and companies have become the A-B testers for, for Amazon. I mean, hey, we don't need to make it perfect. Throw it out there. Let's see if people get excited. If people get excited, then we'll put some time and, and effort into it. And, and that's a bit a bit scary. But And the people making the decisions are, are developers. It's not really being... I, I think some of the products they release are not really being vetted because I think developers have... Uh, quite some leeway in a lot of these companies. So it gets scary. It's like, let's see what sticks. I, I think you're you're absolutely right um, uh, about your analogy, Zach, right? So 
you know, like I, hey, I have a Brookstone drone, but it really doesn't work. And I should have spent the money on a, something of quality. But hey, I bought a Brookstone. So exactly. Anyway. exactly. It was cool. It was great. Wow. I just went in the store and it just looks so awesome. And uh, I was just blinded by all these awesome things around me. I, I had to have something and I, I bought that drone. Yeah, I feel the same way. And I, I I wonder if it's catching up to AWS, you know, some of the slowdown in, in their, you know, where they are in the market, their growth. Now they're, they're big. We don't expect them to grow 70, 80 percent, but there is a slowdown there. And you know, it makes me wonder, are they really solving problems they need to solve? Or right now, it's, is it a marketing machine? Um, we'll see. You know, it, it, so it feels to me, and, and I'm probably not in the best place to, to do this analogy, but it feels to me like everything Microsoft does is really thought out, really well released. And, and when they iterate on top of it, it's just like getting better and better. But the version that they've released has already been pretty solid. I, I don't feel the same way with what I hear about AWS, but I, I, I could be wrong. I mean, yeah, Dominic, I mean, you're attending all of these sessions and you're hearing the the analyst feedback. I mean, what, what, what do you take away from that? Are we right? Are we wrong? I mean, how, how do you see it here? No, I think, and this may be an artifact also being remote, uh, but this year an overall theme has been just overwhelm. And it's always been overwhelming, but this year has been more overwhelming than in past years. And there doesn't seem to be a unifying theme. Again, even less so than in previous years. Amazon's always had this kind of shotgun approach. Here's a bunch of stuff. There's probably something in here you like, right? Um, And this year they've just done that even more so because they had three whole weeks of agenda to sprawl across. Some things have emerged. Uh, Werner Fogel's keynote uh, this last Tuesday was interesting as usual with some digressions. And the only session, noticeably, that was allowed to go very long over its allotted time. And some of the IoT, industrial IoT stuff that they're bringing out is interesting because in contrast to many of their software services, which are all about build a new thing, build it fast, roll it out on Amazon. Uh, They're about integrating legacy infrastructure, legacy hardware that's already out there. And that's always been a weak point of IoT, right? The idea that you roll something out and six months from now you replace it because it's obsolete or out of support or the manufacturer has gone out of business and isn't providing patches anymore. It's kind of the the Achilles heel of IoT. It's why many people, me included, are very reluctant to uh, adopt IoT in any meaningful way. And of course, that goes double for anything industrial. Uh, So Amazon's approach to this is very interesting. It's back to what should arguably be the approach for industrial IoT anyway, which is to roll out fairly dumb devices and then have an Amazon Edge node that connects them to the smarts that are in the cloud. Uh, It's a bunch of Lambda functions or whatever. Uh, which Amazon can charge you for. So it all works <laughs> in the best of all possible worlds. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I agree completely with that. I mean, I think you need to you need to step back and look at who they're competing at in the industrial space, right? And, and when we start to look at Industry 4.0, I mean, I think there are some players out there with some really complete solutions if you start to look at Siemens and GE, right? And now right. here comes Or even Microsoft just in the cloud space, Microsoft, it, as you're saying, a very strong it, IoT offering. Exactly, exactly. And I think, you know, a lot of people are building smarts into their products, into their assembly lines. And it's about, I mean, if you really want to get to the point where you're using ML, because everybody focuses on anomaly detection or, um, you know, quality, whether it's like in your on your assembly line, in your test bay before something releases or once it's in the field. 
but the problem I see is micro it, like Amazon doesn't have that that full kind of grasp, and it takes it takes a lot of time to have the data to start to run these these ML models. So I, I, I don't, and not all ML models are the same for for everybody. So it's a bit like I, I saw it really fragmented from my viewpoint. There, it's you know you could end up spending a lot of money and not having any. Uh, any results on on the Amazon solution, and I really worried about that when I saw some of their some of their solutions. But again, like yeah, you need to see it, and they need to have use cases of of customers who it's helped, and and then you start to to break down that piece of it. So I I, I don't know. I'm a bit uh, skeptical when I uh, when I saw it. Lots of good talk, but yeah, it's for the starter definitely. And, and <laughs> so then so let's go think. let's go back to Brookstone. So you. You might not get results, but uh, it's, it's cool to buy, right? That's what you're saying. I mean, they, they may not produce what you need it to produce, but it's, uh, you know. Yeah, I think it all depends on the use case and, and the business. But yeah, you're right. Then it, it does feel like a Brookstone in, in yep. that respect, right? So they, they need to they need to make something stick. And, and now they're trying to figure out how, how to stick. And, and let's face it, like IoT sensors, all it's really become commodity, right? So I think when uh, companies look and, and what sticks and what they put into their plants, I think this stuff's like cheap, right? And, and then, yeah, you store the data, you push the data, and, and then you build your... Um, your learning model. So I, 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 I don't know. I think uh, you could do it with anybody, really. So it, it just depends. That, so you're in the space more than I am. Um, but just from speaking to customers and whatnot who are in that space, my understanding was that the, uh, the Amazon Play was precisely that, to have commodity sensors and then the bridge to suck the data from those sensors into the cloud uh, and provide the, the smarts. So further commoditize uh, the network edge in favor of smart stuff running on the Amazon cloud. Do you not? Yeah, and I that? guess, and I guess that's where they're going to, right? It's like they 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 really want the data to sit on their on their hardware somewhere, so that you know that bear like they're building moats, right? And and that's what they're that's what they're ultimately doing. So it's like you know no one else is gonna is gonna push their data to them. So hey, maybe if we you know, and this is kind of the monopoly take on it, right? So we undercut everything that you put in your factory, but then as you move your data into our cloud, then the mode is there to get it out. And and yeah, we've kind of locked you into something and maybe that's what they're going for, right? It's, yeah, let, look at this cheap thing that you can use and yeah, I got you here. Um, and that's pretty much the Amazon playbook for everything, isn't it? Yeah, that can work though if they... If they want to get you using the Amazon platform and make it so you can easily swap out the sensors, then they've won. From their point of view, the opposite situation is the worst case scenario where you're locked into the physical world because that's hard to change and you can easily swap cloud providers uh, for doing the backend analysis. They would hate that from a business perspective. So that I, I didn't look at all their sensors, but I think, you know, People need to realize too, like when we talk about data, we also talk about machine data, and I don't think they control all the machines and all this. This is why when I mention like big players like uh, Siemens and um, NGE, they have equipment at a lot of factories, and and some some of that equipment you need to get back. But maybe that's part of it, right? This is why I say like you need to look at this holistically, right? Because we're I think manufacturers on, on factory floors are starting to take data from multiple sources now, um, including weather data. Um, you know, I mean, it, it's just this is a growing uh, space. Uh, I think Amazon can't ignore it anymore. So 
yeah, it's there. And I mean, me and Zach talk about it all the time, but from a U.S. Uh, perspective of returning manufacturing, I mean, you got to do it much more efficient in the U.S. if you want manufacturing to come back. So I think there's also a play there that everybody's uh, looking at. So I, I don't think Amazon's the first that's going to come in here. I don't know that they're the best, but I guess they're trying to uh, they're trying to have their influence here. Oh, definitely. It's definitely their play. The question is whether they can make it work. And I agree, you know, there are lots of specialized operators, especially here in Europe. It's interesting to hear you use industrial Internet of Things, Internet of Things 4.0, uh, which is uh, the sort of language I mainly hear out of places like Germany and not so it much in the U.S. Yeah, which I think Germany, I would say, is uh, is, is quite heavily. I, I mean, if you want to look at one industry that really leverages uh, everything and every possibility, it's uh, automotives. And then if you start to look at automotive tier one, tier two players, I mean, yeah, they're they're way out there in terms of uh, what they're doing. So uh, I would tend to follow their lead. Um, but yeah, they've, they've put in the efficiencies over the years. Definitely. Um, another line of commentary about reinvents beyond just the overwhelming number of things being announced and uh, revved and uh, generally mentioned on stage uh, was the talk of uh, cloud share. Uh, so people were criticizing Amazon for losing momentum. I, I don't know how much of a story there is there. Once you get to large numbers, it's hard to maintain the growth rate because there just aren't enough people to keep on growing at 100% year over year, that, that curve. <laughs> it starts to run off the top edge of the graph quite soon. So I don't see that necessarily as a concern. I was more interested by how much time Andy Jassy spent minimizing cloud adoption and Amazon's share of cloud adoption, uh, especially in light of uh, all of the antitrust activity on both sides of the Atlantic. Uh, there was some news just, uh, I think it was this morning, uh, kind of losing track of days here, <laughs> about the, the EU's new uh, antitrust uh, suit against Amazon and other big tech, but it's very much about Amazon. And so that's that was how I read that. And I'm sure there will be lots of press releases from the other players saying, we're growing faster than Amazon. I didn't see anything that materially changed. Yeah, they might be growing faster in terms of percentages, but I don't know if in relative dollar values they're growing as fast right. as, as Amazon. And I'm kind of on your side here, Dominic. Like, why is he? Why was Andy Jazzy spending so much time talking about this? I mean, um, where where does he? No, he was just covering that? because he didn't have the reinvent house band this year. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy, you know it's um, it's uh, it's it's interesting to see, which I I think they are very focused on their competitors, uh, Azure GCP, and I you know there there's concern there that they're they're coming for their lunch, but then again I think it's it's totally different uh, kind of markets and, and and so on and so forth that they're they're really going after. Uh, yeah. Zach, we, we've but you've been pretty vocal on this in the past. I mean. Uh, does Amazon really need? Does AWS really need to be concerned here? I mean, I, I think it depends. Um, you know, IT is is shifting as well right now. Um, I, I think they're going to need to be concerned uh, in the very near future. I think Microsoft solves real world problems, in my opinion. We've all talked about this. They stay very disciplined when they go after a market segment, uh, even if even the five G service provider segment. You know, they made the right acquisition. <clears throat> they're approaching it the right way. Um, they're very very focused. So you know, AWS is like this just flashy you know um, organization out there that's just going around and 
you know, the, I don't know that they, I'm not going to say they don't have a plan, but it's really not as strategic as Microsoft. You know, I think they are not really focused on that. They're out there touting, you know, their numbers and their growth. And while they're not touting their, their number per se in the percentage of the cloud market, we all know they're just trying to cover up a little bit there. But uh, I just feel like it's a tale of two organizations. And I'm I'm not I'm not high on where they're going. I don't understand the roadmap because I feel like it's it's all over the place. Now they might argue with me and say, "Oh, you clearly don't understand it because we have this." But when you have to have solution architects and their whole job is to focus on the customer to tell them how they can save more money and how to help them not be so confused on their product line, that's literally the role of some of these architects. That's a problem. I mean, that is a big big problem. And so I'm I I do think they're gonna. There's going to be some struggles here. I, I think there's some cracks in the foundation right now, and I think more and more people are are uh, seeing that. They're they're building a culture of, um, or or they're selling with like a fear of missing out. Like, hey, we're the cool kids on the block. Like, you know, you want to be with us. We're the bigger ones, and 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 come here. And that's the arrogance that we spoke about in the past. But there is that connection of, hey, it's Amazon. You know, I'll order from them. I get it in two days. It's like they're trading on on uh, that reputation, which I think is right. I mean, so it's it's going to be a, a hard pillar for any company to knock off. But I think it's going to start slowly, slowly. I, I I really worry about the arrogance because the arrogance is yes. a, a sure sign that 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 something's that something's wrong. And I always thought if they went public, like Andy Jazzy would be their CEO, but I I don't know. I see that happening less and less. Right? I mean, gosh, he's becoming more flashy than uh, than Jeff Bezos, which is really shocking. Yeah. Here, right? So, yeah, it's yeah. it's interesting to see. And there was some interesting, there were some interesting moments, both in Andy Jassy's keynote, where he talked about the competitor across the lake and Redmond, um, and also in Peter DeSanti's keynote, the infrastructure keynote, where he was throwing some pretty major shade at both Intel, uh, which was hilarious because Intel had sponsored for umpteen bazillion dollars a video right before his segment, and then he spent uh, quite a long time just completely trashing them. Um, but he also spent a long time talking about uh, the other cloud providers and specifically trashing the resilience and redundancy uh, that they provided, uh, which I thought was interesting that Amazon in the past has been sensitive to an extent. They would ban you. This is the first year they've even allowed anyone to say the word multi-cloud. Last year, we were specifically forbidden <laughs> from saying multi-cloud, hybrid cloud, anything like that. Anywhere in the booth graphics or speeches. Uh, nope, no, no, no. Yeah, well, um, you know what? Exactly. I remember 2018, where we used to be, Dominic. We were at one of the shows. There were several. And I remember we had something that showed our previous employer. And we had several clouds in there. It was Microsoft. Yeah, we had to remove the icons, I yes. remember. Yes, they told it get that actually during the event, get that out. You can't use that at this event. And going forward, we had to remove the icons. And you know, that that doesn't say open. That doesn't say we're here to do what's best for the customer. They're there to do what's best for them. It's you know, let me give you one more analogy. Early on, early this is years ago when Cisco was an up and comer. One thing that John Chambers never ever Cisco never did this. They, he said you will not go on site and talk bad about the competitor. You will only talk about what we do and what we do well. And what would happen is, you know, these competitors at the time, this again, this is many years ago, they would go on the outside and talk bad about Cisco and this and that. And the customers would realize, you know what, I, I don't like that. And uh, I think John Chambers is brilliant. And I, I love that approach that he had. Oh, and absolutely. Also, and if there's something that Cisco didn't do, this was the other thing they did I thought was interesting. They never talked about what they don't do. They always talked about what they what they do. So I, I, it was interesting, but they never spoke bad about competitors. Again, Microsoft is not really playing this game. Um, you know, GCP, I mean, for all 
for some of their faults, I think they're doing what they do best. And so just how much longer is the industry going to let AWS just go out there like this as flashy? And your, I agree with you, Mike, is be arrogant and just say, hey, you know, three weeks of reinvent and we're doing all this stuff. I mean. Yeah, and that's crazy. And yeah. I agree very much on the point about not bad-mouthing your competitors. So many, many years ago when I was Buttercub, I, I was working at a company which no longer exists. So statute of limitations has well run out. Um, but what happened was we got into an opportunity which we had not originally been considered for because three different competitors who had been shortlisted went in and spent a significant part of their presentation talking about how they were much better than us and how we sucked. And the customer, the Belgian State Railway, as it happened, was like, well, we hadn't even looked at those guys, but we definitely should now. And we ended up getting the deal in three weeks, three-week deal cycle that's unheard of. Oh, it certainly was unheard of at the time. Nowadays with SaaS, you can do that sort of thing. But at the time, it was a very, very rapid turnaround. And all thanks to competitors specifically naming us when otherwise we wouldn't even have known this was going on. I, I guess they have this viewpoint that they're the only ones uh, in the pond and the only ones doing it. And yeah, if you ignore the others, it doesn't. But I guess they've stopped doing that this year. Um, yeah, yeah. Arrogance is a problem. It'll come back to bite them. And uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about it more and more. I mean, there's there, there's no way that doesn't affect it because it, it's ingrained in their culture now. And, and that's a real problem. Definitely. So one of the possible ways it may come back to bite them is complexity. I've been following... Uh, online series by UK journalist and writer Tim Morn, who wrote a book, uh, which I highly recommend, by the way, called Infinite Detail. And he talks about, both in the book and in his journalism, he talks about the complexity of the systems that modern life depends on. And Amazon has definitely crossed that threshold. No one person truly understands what all of Amazon does at this point. As we saw when US East 1 went down, and that was definitely a cascading failure situation. And we saw another one this week with uh, the SolarWinds breach uh, turned out to be uh, a pipeline issue, a supply uh, supply chain issue uh, where someone had managed to insert some code into, I read it was the build server, uh, which is particularly sneaky because that way it wouldn't show up in static code analysis. Uh, and that vulnerability was out there for nine months causing havoc for some pretty high profile organizations. Uh, so that was a bad one. Well, especially when you have 300,000 customers. I mean, okay, not all of them are on the latest release, but nine months. And, and then I think FireEye is the one who, who kind of uh, discovered it and only to realize that them and their customers were <laughs> also affected. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, also impacted. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's gargantuan proportions. I mean, I think we're going to hear about uh, the SolarWinds hack for quite a while. Um, and one of the negative consequences is going to be that people are going to be reluctant to patch because a few people have already popped up saying, aha, joke's on you, I didn't patch for a year and therefore I missed this exploit. <laughs> and it kind of flies in the face of normal security best practice to keep up with patches. And that's going to be a, a big issue, I think. Yeah, I, I th you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the culture is going gonna, is gonna to take a hit here. Uh, I. You know, and I, I think this will uh, ring alarm bells around a lot of uh, development shops, a lot of product. And, and SaaS is not free from this, right? I think uh, some people think, oh, you know, if I have a SaaS offering, I don't have to worry about this. No way. You still need to worry about this because of... Because uh, the cloud uh, is just someone else's computer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So I think this will have major ramifications in, uh, in the industry. Also, you know, we've spoken about all this, like consolidation happening in the monitoring space. And I always thought 
SolarWinds was the biggest monitoring tool that people use, especially like network related, but people are doing it for, for using it for servers and, and a host of other uh, products as well, because they've really kind of uh, focused on their product offerings. Um, I, I don't know what, what, what happens here now and, and, and what's going to happen overall, but it, it, it'll surely be interesting to see. Yeah, and that was another reinvent announcement, by the way. Yet another one. Uh, Amazon announced their own distros of uh, Prometheus and Grafana. Uh, so starting to consider ops and monitoring use cases more than they had in the past. So guys, SolarWinds was like dumb monitoring, right? It didn't do any uh, fixing and um, automation, right? It's not an AI ops tool. Do you think this would have been way worse if this was an AI ops tool, which would have taken action? Because a lot of companies stay away from like tools that, that take action and they'd rather have their engineers take the action um, because they're worried about what will cause. Do you, do you think this is a setback to AI ops and, and what, what you guys talk about uh, quite a bit? I don't think it's a setback. I think if anything, we need to look at it in a little more detail than we are right now. Uh, perhaps, and again, AI ops, Dominic knows this as well as I do. There's this whole whitewashing. True AI ops, I think there's, it depends. You know, how much has it been in the environment? You know, what does it understand? What does it not understand? You would think that a, a true AI ops platform perhaps would have identified something going offsite that shouldn't have been going offsite, right? I think a, on the bigger scale, the grander scale, we need to, Try to uh, question security. You know, I said something. I was I was at Cisco years ago, and I was there. I was an SE, and I remember talking to a couple customers. This is 2011, 2012, maybe. And I said back then, hey, look, you really don't need to get all these firewalls and protect your perimeter. You know, customers were deploying uh, these security solutions from Cisco where they were literally monitoring their printers. It was called ICE. Um yeah. ISC. And, you know, I said, why are you doing that? And at that time, you know, we had this explosion of bring your own device and everything. And I said, you guys are going to go crazy. Protect your crown jewels and everything outside of that. You protect differently, you know. And it, was it a zero trust model at the time I was describing? Yeah, kind of. My point then, I saw it back then, is, you know, there's a problem here in security. So I say all that to say, I, I think, Mike, to answer your question more around AI, um, yeah, I think it would have helped. And then I think we also need to look at security much differently than we've been looking at it. Nobody's really been focused on security. We are, we hear about it in the news, but nobody's really solving, I guess, those problems. Security's always been a problem for 20, 30 years. Nobody wants to spend money on it. It's always like, well, I don't really see it. You know, everything's like apps, this, apps, that. And Mike, you've said something in the past, right? You've always said that applications are nothing but a gateway to your data and you have to secure that. So I guess that's a long way of me saying I believe AI would help, given that it has been modeling the environment for a certain amount of time. I think it absolutely would have detected something going off site. Would you agree, Dominic? Um, yes, in a theoretical best of all possible worlds. In actual fact, I mean, it's kind of surprising that many of these organizations appear not to have been filtering their outbound uh, network traffic at all because that should have caught this type of uh, of exfiltration going on. So there's going to be a lot of soul searching, I'm sure. Uh, one positive aspect is that there's been very little ambulance chasing marketing, at least that I've seen by security vendors, because that's always the case uh, when you know one provider has an oopsie, all of the others jump on it and say, hey, you should buy our stuff instead. Well, that's because they're too busy checking if they have the same flaw. I mean, let's face it. I mean, they don't. They don't know. I mean, I mean, and this like nine months. Any Russians in this code base? Nine. <laughs> yeah. 
Niet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I, I think there's um, there's a lot of worry out there about who uh, who else might be compromised, and and no one's saying anything. And I, I think the the word came out that SolarWinds has known since November, but obviously kept it quiet. I mean, yeah, they were probably threat hunting. Let's face it, and. Um, yeah, they haven't said anything yet. And then I think Fire, yeah, Fire Eye is the one who blew it out of the water. So let's see. Okay. Um, more to come on that one, no doubt. Uh, we have not even begun to hear the list of impacted organizations. Um, relevant to this show's interests, uh, Salesforce rolled out a low-code environment, their Flow Orchestrator. Uh, this looks pretty cool and promises to do what we always say about low-codes, to democratize uh, the access to these capabilities. If you can draw a business process like a flow chart instead of having to get into the code and the Salesforce API, uh, that's going to be a win in those terms. So interested to see how that plays out. And I uh, just just to say one more thing, I think this local movement, it, there's there's no way it stopped. I I think what uh, what I what I was surprised about is I, I'm starting to see some people competing with Photoshop, not as good as Photoshop, but in like a, a low code way. So any anybody could become like a graphic artist. And I'm I'm fairly surprised by the sophistication of some of these tools. So I, I think there's going to be this like uh, simplification of of everything that's going to happen in this low code, no code movement, um, you know, just uh, taking the ideas and expanding it to other areas, you know, like, hey, we're the Uber of this and so on and so forth. But, but like, let's remember in this movement, it is critical that we understand and we're going to hear more about backend as a service, but backend as a service is going to be absolutely critical to making this thing work flawlessly. And Dominic, I mean, in your current environment where you are now, you guys are be a big part of that. I mean, how do we get this whole backend as a service? It's great to have this and that's more around no code, I would say, right? When you get all that abstraction, but when you set up these applications, how do we set up everything on the back end? Uh, I think again, we're going to hear more and more about Baz. Maybe we should maybe we should have a discussion on it one day. Mm. Let's figure out who we should invite on because I certainly would not consider myself necessarily an expert, but interesting. Um, in other news, Chrome is bad. Who knew? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so in case you managed to miss this, it's been all over Twitter, but quick recap. Uh, Lauren Brichter, who was the original developer behind the Tweety Twitter client and single-handedly created the pull to refresh action that we're all very familiar with at this point, got suspicious about some weird performance issues uh, on uh, the MacBook and ended up investigating and finding that the best solution to it was simply to delete Chrome and specifically this keynote process that's a uh, keystone, pardon, process that's part of the Chrome auto updater that users have no control over or visibility into. Uh, so I'd been having some problems. My MacBook was thrashing even when I wasn't running Chrome because it's not my main browser and it was still thrashing away Windows Server just taking over the world. So I deleted it and today I'm using Brave for the recording of this podcast because our podcast software requires a Chromium-based web browser. And it's great. Uh, Brave is nice. Uh, my laptop is back to performing normally. Um, Chromeisbad.com. Check it out for yourselves. And uh, try one of the other Chromium web browsers. There are tons of them. Not so ready to ditch Chrome yet, but yeah, the, it, it's becoming more and more yeah, problematic. You, you see some weird things happening. So, uh, and, and this is where... I'm just Google going just... to say, I'm just going to put it out there. Today, the three of us joined the, the podcast recording session. <laughs> yeah. Dave, and the, my co-host joined from Chrome. 
I was able to go straight in. The two of them had to restart Chrome before they could join successfully. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. That's true. And I I, I think these little things are gonna are gonna chip away at their at their market share. To be honest, I and this is where I don't get I don't get Google. Like they need to invest in in making some product products better. I mean, Gmail's been stagnant. Um, Chrome has been a bit stagnant. Like they 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 need to up their game here. Definitely. Anyway, let's see if they react to to this because the Lauren Brichter's allegations have been making a lot of noise out there. Uh, but we're coming to time, so we have some recommendations and rants. Um, I have been having a very stressful week, and I found it very satisfying to go in with some Velcro zip ties and sort out my desk and generally tidy it up. So I highly recommend that as sort of mindless wind down task when you're just frustrated with computers <laughs> go in velcro the cables properly out of the way out of sight and it makes me feel better it's my zen so there's a link in the show notes to the products i got which is of course not velcro because velcro is a brand these are hook and eye uh, zip ties but they work just the same i, I just buy a, a roll of velcro tape and then I, I i choose the color but yeah that's what that's what i do um, so well, these things I, I have the little holes, so you thread them through themselves. Uh, yeah, yeah. I buy them, then I forget where I put them, and I buy them again. I forget where I put them, and when I get around to it, I buy them again, and then I find the old ones, and I have extras. That's what I, I endorse <laughs> this. You should do this with our sponsored link in Amazon and buy many, many packs. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Uh, so my rant is about my aura ring. Look, I, I, I'm hooked on this aura ring to track sleep and everything, and I, I, I'm I'm hooked on it. I can't live without one. So I, I must have had it two years now because the first year, after, right before my first year ended, my my battery just started to to die on it. Maybe it's an Apple conspiracy. Um, I I sent them a, an email. They replaced it uh, after they ran some diagnostics on it. God knows what they saw about me on it. Uh, and now I'm having the same problem again, just just about a year later. So yeah, maybe it's about putting a battery in a ring or whatever. But um, yeah, it's a bit annoying. So let, let let's see what they do because I'm gonna reach out to them again here soon. But um, yeah, not not so not a happy Mike right now. So that, that's where we're at. We gotta get Mike happy. We can't have that Mike. No, we need happy Mike all the time. So <laughs> <laughs> it's the happiest time of the year. Come on. <laughs> We're all going to Disney. That's right. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to Disney. No, sirree. No, not right now. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe one day, but not right now. So, do you have a recommendation or a rant, Zach? I have a lot of rants. Um, I'm not sure if I want to. I want to um, air them right now. Uh, you know, uh, from a recommendation or rant perspective, uh, this is probably a little bit unfair. But I think my rant, if I were to have one, one of the rants, and it is the holiday season. Is the postal service, unfortunately, um, you know, just uh, going there, you know, uh, two weeks before Christmas and, uh, you know, not sure that your package is there. I've talked to people that have mail packages and they're sitting in facilities for a week. And I just think, what happened to this, this mail and this, you know, this, this postal service, which has been an institution for many years where, you know, you used to be able to just like clockwork, you know, within a day, perhaps figure out when your stuff's going to get there. Where now it's just, it's just not even you don't know if it'll be a week or two weeks and nobody even cares or really there's just no customer service. It's just how it is. And then I think there has to be some disruption here. There has to be, I know it's a, you, you know, who could fix the postal service, who Amazon. 
Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. No, no, no. no. But they absolutely, absolutely. I mean, just think about it. I mean, AWS, you mean Amazon. Let's make that clear. Two separate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, no. Amazon logistics. I mean, it runs like a Swiss clock. I mean, come on. Like, I don't, I don't get it. But yeah, Amazon is eating. You know, maybe they should, uh, you know, invest in some of those IoT devices and all that from AWS and and just become Amazon-like. So, oh, yeah, no, but it I, could I'm, be drones. It could be drones. I think the problem with drones is the power situation. I think we're solving the power situation once we get there. Maybe that's it. But uh, depends if you buy them from Brookstone or like DJI. Like <laughs> where, where you're going, where you're going with that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah AWS Brookstone. Yeah. No, this is yeah, Amazon. Yeah. They'd roll their own. They'd make it better than anyone. <laughs> you know, and they probably would because they know more than anybody else about it. So, yeah. yeah, yeah but then there would be a hundred different versions of drones. It'd be five different, you know, models for each version and you know that that's just what they would do and then you would have to bring in one of the architects to tell you which one is the best and how to save money right there you go, <laughs> there you go. and that's so the ecosystem goes yeah very nice well in that case i think we can leave it there uh this has been an absolute pleasure uh we are going to do some more episodes between now and the end of the year we're going to do one looking back on the past year and one looking forward with our forecasts uh, for the next year. So look for those over the holiday season. If you need some reason to get away from your families, you would try to provide one. In the meantime, it's been a pleasure being with you as ever. Uh, do follow the show on Twitter at Roll for Enterprise or on our LinkedIn page. And please, in the new year, send us suggestions for topics or guests that you'd like to hear us interview. But with that, thanks for listening and talk to you then. Thank you, everybody. Talk soon. Yeah, thanks, everyone.